Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, one-hit thunders, thunderheads, thunder buns. All right, I'll just go with one-hit thunder listeners. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song that they have written. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, Punk rock favorites such as Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurwitz. Up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. And even some of the artists that have been featured on One Hit Thunder. The show is even produced by One Hit Thunder host Chris Fafalius. What more could you possibly ask for? Krista Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. I guarantee you'll like it or we'll give you your money back. The holiday season is here once again. To celebrate, we're discussing the bizarre case of the Waitresses, which are a band that we're able to discuss on One Hit Thunder because they're a one-hit wonder in two different countries for two different songs. While Christmas rapping is now considered a Christmas classic, it wasn't well known in the U.S. until many years after its release. Meanwhile, I Know What Boys Like was only a hit in the States. This week, we're diving into the short-lived career of this Akron, Ohio band to determine if they bring the holiday cheer or leave us with a holiday sneer. One hit is all you need to make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties forever And it makes me wonder, is it just a wonder or is it one hit thunder? Chris, we got a controversial one for our Christmas episode. Yeah, I guess this is a 
two hit, but actually zero hit. So maybe that equals one hit by average. Sort wonder. of. So Chris Butler, who is a person we're going to talk about a lot in this episode because he's kind of the brainchild of the entire group. Mm-hmm. Uh, he once called the band a one-hit wonder because they had two half hits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had two songs that almost were hits. They're also like one-hit wonders in different countries for different songs. Right. So the only song that charted in the States was I Know What Boys Like, and then the Christmas song, which is the reason why we're doing this as a Christmas episode, Christmas Rapping, only charted in the UK. It has obviously since very much integrated into our typical holiday rotation. But uh, I have a theory on when and how that happened, actually. Well, one of the first most surprising things about the waitresses to me was that they're from Akron, Ohio. <laughs> Akron, Ohio. I watched a couple of videos researching this band a little bit, and the Akronness of it actually makes sense in a weird way because this was a band that, A, formed off of a side project that Chris Butler... It was a side project of a different band Chris Butler was in. But that band was very inspired by their heroes from Akron, Ohio, Devo. Oh. (laughs) And when you think about late 70s, early 80s Devo before they got super into synthesizers, the sounds of these two bands make a lot more sense suddenly. (laughs) Okay, I didn't realize Devo was from Akron. Yeah. Wow. Akron, Kent, Ohio. Like one of the guys was at... Kent State when right. the Kent State shootings happened. Right. Yeah, I knew that. That's right. I mean, Akron really bringing the heat, the waitresses and Devo and LeBron James. And <laughs> yeah, Akron. So I was surprised that they played their debut concert on New Year's Eve of 1980. 1980 was the year I was born. There you go. I was in my, I was in my mom's belly when they played their debut show. I think that was neat. So the, the crazy thing. So here's here's like, so Chris Butler is in this band. I, I forgot to even write down their name. It's like Tim Henney or something. Tim Henney or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's in this band and he comes up with this song called I Know What Boys Like. And he's like, I've got something with this song. So he records it and he gets his friend Patty to sing vocals on it. Tim Huey was the band he was in. So much so that Tim Huey would play shows and then in the middle of their set would be like, for the next song, we are the waitresses. <laughs> and they would take off their shirt and reveal shirts that said the waitresses. And Patty would walk out on the stage, just sing I Know What Boys Like, get off the stage, and then they would just go back to playing his Tin Henny because his song was so different than everything that their band was playing. And it was like a weird, goofy thing to do. But he was like, this song, like he really believed in this song. So he takes this demo and he shops it around and no one's interested. Mm-hmm. But then he goes to New York And while he's in New York, he gets a record contract with Z Records, which is like an indie rock label. And they released the single in 1980. And while it's a little bit of a a hit song, does nothing. Well, I mean, it peaked at number 62. That was two years later when they re-released the single. They release it once, nothing happens, right? So in 1981, Z-E or Z Records asked each of their artists to record a Christmas song for their Christmas compilation, A Christmas Record. According to Chris Butler, the waitresses were in the middle of a really difficult tour and the Christmas song commission was literally the last thing they wanted to do. He wrote the song in August, assembling it from just unused guitar riffs that he had and finished the lyrics while in a taxi cab on the way to the recording studio. He came from his own hatred of Christmas time. 
He said, everyone I knew in New York was running around like a bunch of fiends. It wasn't about joy. It was just something to ha- that you had to cope with. They said that the baseline was borrowed from Good Times by Chic that had just recently been released. Really? Yeah, it was also written while hip hop was beginning to gain prominence. So the song is almost wrapped, hence the name Christmas Rapping. Uh, with the W, and he just thought that it was a fun little thing, and it was a reference to the Curtis Blow song, Christmas Rappin', that had come out two years prior. Threw this song together, recorded it, and basically thought, that's it, no one's ever going to hear this. This ZE Records thing, I would love to hear this full Christmas album, because it's songs by like the band Suicide, and Was Not Was, and like all of these weird like CBGB's like art bands. Right. But this song blow well blows up is a little bit over the top, but it does really well in the UK. Hits 45 on the charts at that time. Maybe gets a little bit of radio airplay, but because of the popularity of that song, they say, let's give I Know What Boys Like one more shot. Wow. And that's when it gets its re-release and uh does its its fantastic numbers at 62 on the hot 100. Well, there are a couple things. Now you mentioned the baseline, the Christmas wrapping baseline. I I noticed it. I'm like, whoa, that baseline's awesome. In when I watched them play, it's Tracy Wormworth yeah. on the bass, killing it. But I don't know if she actually played it on the album because they had David Hofstra. I couldn't find information on which one of them played it. I hope it's Tracy. I love Tracy. You know she, what Tracy did after this band broke up? No. Uh, in 1992, she joined and is still in the B-52s. Whoa. <laughs> I did not know that. And their drummer in this band was the drummer for the uh, CBGB's punk band television. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I think I did read that. There were so many things about this band that I thought were funny. First of all, <laughs> like the way that everybody in the band looked like yeah. you had a real nerd on the keys. It was like a super <laughs> nerd on the keys. Well, I, I put, you had a leisure suit, Larry on saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> you had the very eighties lady as the singer of the band, Patty, of yep. course, you know, and an incredible bassist. I thought that they were just, they looked so cool. I listened to some other music by them that I thought was pretty. All right. Uh, I want, they had a music video for a song called make the weather. from yeah. 1983. Thought that was pretty good. I watched them play a song called No Guilt. Uh, they were like a live performance on TV in 1982. And the song is definitely a ska song. Yeah. 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 They were definitely of that like new wave leaning into ska vibe for sure. What I liked about this song is like there are certain artists where you're like, that's not a particularly good singer. And I wouldn't say that Patty was like this like groundbreaking vocalist. But there was something about the almost apathetic way that she sings almost all of these songs that's almost kind of cool. Like, it's like she couldn't give a shit less. Yeah, she's like a punk singer. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like, even the only, if I could cut one thing out of this song, it maybe would be the na 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 part. And yeah. I know what boys like, that's a little too snotty for me. Uh-huh. But like, the complete apathy in the way that she sings this I know what boys like song, I think is what makes it so memorable and likable. Did you watch the music video for it? Yeah, where they're just kind of standing in a room for most of it, well, but yeah. It turns into like an animated part yeah. at one point where during like the saxophone solo and for some reason like this style of animation reminded me and it's probably because it's from maybe around the same era. It reminded me of the intro to You Can't Do That on Television. Yes. It had that look to it. So not quite tied to You Can't Do That on Television, but do you know what the other 
debatably third hit that this band could have had was. No, what? They also wrote and performed the theme song for Square Pegs, the 80s TV show starring Sarah Jessica Parker, and even performed in the very first episode. Square Pegs. It was, about, it was about two dorky girls in high school, so they were the perfect sound for that. It was like Freaks and Geeks before Freaks and Geeks. Wow. Like in 1982. They might be on Pluto somewhere. <laughs> wow, I got to check that out. I, I thought you were going to say Pussy Strut. You know the song Pussy Strut? I don't. I missed uh, that one. It's definitely on their album. It's called, and I was like, Pussy Strut. And the chorus is, look at the butt, Pussy Strut. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it means. I can only make assumptions about what that means. But. So this does raise one question that I always have with Chris Butler. <laughs> you always have with Chris I Butler. I just always have with Chris Butler. Do you feel like it's weird that this song is written by a guy? What? I know what boys like? Yeah. <laughs> You, you're you're mixing me up here because we're talking about two songs at once. He wrote both of them. Okay. But yes, I know what boys like feels like a real weird song to write for someone else to sing. Not really. If you are a boy, you especially know what boys like. I don't know. This song feels... I mean, I like this song, but this feels like a real incelly angry song. I guess I didn't pay too much attention <laughs> so to it's, the lyrics. You know, I, like, I know what boys like. I know what guys want. I know what boys like. But like... I see them looking. I make them want me. I like to tease them, but they won't touch me because I'll never let them. So, yeah, a guy wrote that. <laughs> yeah. um, that. That makes me feel a little ick. It's a little, it's a little bit confusing, but it, it's, it was the 80s. You know, you got to give it, give it a little bit of a 80s pass, I suppose. I mean, I guess it technically, as I'm reading more of the lyrics, it does turn into like a weird love song at the same time. Because she's saying like, I know what boys like. I I enjoy teasing them, lack of a better term. But then she says, but you, you're special. You're so much different. I might let you. Would you like that? Where it's like, I usually don't give a shit about any of the guys in this place. But you're, you're something different. Yeah, I think the song was just trying to be flirty and sexy. And that's kind of the... Even her delivery and the way she, I don't know, the way she moves, the way she sings in the video when you see her and stuff, I think it's supposed to be, you know, I don't know if it's a commentary on that sort of attitude or something, or if she's actually that way. I felt like it was a, a more of like a performance art. It felt a little avant-garde or whatever, you know? Fair enough. Hey, everyone. This is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. I do like the shackles. Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. You know, Chris, you've been doing this project where you have been wearing a different shirt every day for the entire year, and a good amount of those are band shirts. Do you have 
a favorite band t-shirt in your collection that you've worn this year? Oh, that's such a good question. You're really putting me on the spot. What band t-shirt do I love rocking the most? Okay. The first one that comes to mind, which is pretty funny, is this propaganda t-shirt that I have. It's like this person ripping their head open and an alien coming out of it. It is <laughs> it is like a horrifying t-shirt. Like I wore it around Halloween time. I'm like, this feels like a weird shirt to, <laughs> to wear in public. <laughs> I remember I wore it like the weekend of Halloween. Just I think I was stopping to get a six pack at the gas station and the, the lady checked me out. She's like, I like your shirt. What is that? I was like, uh, I don't know. It's it's a band I like. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely a weird, bold uh, choice. But yes, I love band t-shirts. I need more and more of them because I think they're a, a great thing to wear. They're classic. They are. They're, there's something about a good... I mean, think of that Nirvana with the smiley face. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about... You know, the Rage Against the Machine shirt, just red with the words Rage Against the Machine and nothing else on it. It has, like, it has a Molotov co- cocktail on the back. On the back, yeah. yeah. There's there's classic band t-shirts that are almost as iconic as, as the bands themselves at this point. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I'm glad that Rockabilia.com is the sponsor of our podcast, Matt. Rockabilia.com has over 500,000 items and we're not just talking about i know we've been talking about t-shirts a lot here but they have everything i mean there's action figures there's hoodies there's ashtrays belt buckles coffee mugs i mean anything you could imagine that is a band or artist related piece of merchandise they have over five hundred thousand items on the website it's an awesome website and if you go there rockabilia.com and use the discount code thunder at checkout you're going to get 15% off your order. I do like this second verse. They talk about me because I got my cat moves. That so upsets them. Zippers and buttons. Fun to frustrate them because they get so angry. Like pouty children denied their candy while I laugh right at them. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that's what boys like. It's kind of true. Yeah. It's kind of like if guys like what they can't have sometimes. But I mean, you could argue that about anybody. Yeah, just, I think not that's just not, just, not just guys. But I do like this song. I think that this is a really cool song. I, I like the vibe of this song. This is definitely one of those like could only exist in the late 70s into the early 80s mm-hmm. type vibe. I don't think if this song didn't exist today... And a band put it out. I don't know if I what, agree with what you. What band? What band? Like, I, I mean, the waitresses. <laughs> I don't know. I think these like there's a cool sound to these songs that people would be like, "Whoa, that's different." That's and I don't cool. think it's been replicated really by anybody. No, not really. I mean, the Christmas rapping song too. I think I like it. So, do you want to hear my theory on when Christmas rapping started to blow up in the states? When's that? So, like I said, the song was a modest hit in the UK. Mm -hmm. In 1998, two artists both decided to cover the song at the exact same time. And it was the Spice Girls and Save Ferris both released covers of the songs to radio simultaneously at the peak of Spice Girls power and probably at the only time that people cared about Save Ferris. And I feel like that combination kind of reignited this song in the States because 
the Spice Girls were such a huge crossover from overseas. It was almost like they were bringing this song from their Christmas radio right. into our Christmas radio. The amount of people who've covered this song since. When I looked around, I found that Kate Nash, the Front Bottoms, the Donnas, the cast of the musical Wicked, the comedian Doug Benson, the cast of Glee, Bella Thorne, and uh, Kylie Minogue featuring Iggy Pop have all covered Christmas wow. rapping. I didn't know all that. Yeah. I... I- kind of feel like it's one of those songs that's just always been there. I can't recall when the first time I heard this was. I feel like I always heard this song. Yeah. I mean, it was probably around in the 80s, but it sounds like it was a minor hit in the UK in the 80s that kind of, you know, just because a song didn't blow up at first doesn't mean it can't eventually find its way here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially Christmas songs. Yeah, I mean, especially at a certain point, radio stations have to just be trying to find whatever right. songs they can to fill the demand of what is essentially two months sometimes of nonstop Christmas music. Right. Um, and it's a very well-received Christmas song. In, in 2012, the Daily Telegraph called it one of the most charming uh, festive songs ever. Uh, an all-music reviewer called it one of the best holiday pop songs that has ever been recorded. Wow. Okay. Hmm. I'm going to have to keep that in mind next time I listen to it. Yeah, I I guess I really like it. I yeah. guess it is I, compared to the all the bad Christmas songs out there. Yeah, there's this, a lot of them. There are a lot of bad Christmas songs out there. <laughs> so this is not... This is on the, on the good side, yeah. Did you read the lyrics and follow the story of what the song is about? No, tell me. So Christmas rapping, I won't go through all, because there's a lot of words here. Uh-huh. But the, the, the basic gist of the song is that through the character of Patty, she's just had it with Christmas. She's had a super bad year, and she's ranking all the things that went wrong in that year. One of the big things was this guy that she had a crush on that she literally met. Let me find at least where she says this. So we'll do the first verse real quick because it's the bah humbug, but that's too strong because that's my favorite holiday. But all this year has been a busy blur. I don't think I have the energy to add to my already mad rush just because it's the season. The perfect gift for me would be completions and connections left from last year's ski trip. Encounter most interesting had his number, but never the time, and most of 81 passed along the lines. So I'll deck those halls and the trim the trees, raise up cups of Christmas cheer. I just need to catch my breath with a Christmas by myself this year. So she's just had a busy year. She met this guy, got his number, never had time to reach out to him. Mm-hmm. And then the verses are talking about all the different opportunities where she could have caught up with this guy, and she didn't. And she decides that she's just going to call it She's just going to have Christmas by herself. And then we get to the last verse. Uh, and she says, A&P has provided me with the world's smallest turkey already in the oven, nice and hot. But damn, guess what I forgot? So on to the boots and back through the snow to the only all night grocery. When what do my wondering eyes should appear? But in the line, it's the guy that I've been chasing all year. I'm spending this one this year alone, he said. Need a break. The year's been crazy. I said me too, but why are you? Oh, wow. You forgot cranberries too? And suddenly we laughed and laughed and caught on to what was happening. That Christmas magic brought our tale to a very happy ending. So she goes, she's like, oh shit, I forgot my cranberry sauce. Goes to the grocery store. There's the guy that she's been trying to catch up with. And they spend Christmas together. (laughs) That's nice. Yeah. I never really paid attention to it. All, All I've really paid attention to was... Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. I think I'll miss this one this year. Yeah. 
Oh, happy ending. That's nice. <laughs> it's a it's a pretty little love song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I like that. I I think, dude. I have I have to for a song written in a cab. It's not too bad. Right. I I gotta <laughs> tell you that I'm a little bit of a Scrooge. Try not to be as much these days. I got a podcast for that. Yeah. <laughs> I listen to it. I listen to it. But uh, we recently got asked to be on a compilation album. You know, over the years, Punchline's been on a bunch of compilation albums of Christmas songs. So we wrote, you know, we uh, recorded this song that Steve wrote called Together. And I think it's, you know, it's a good, happy Christmas song. And then we saw the track listing and there were nine songs on this comp. And two of the songs had the word garbage in them. <laughs> it was like Christmas garbage or like Christmas is garbage or something. And like, we're like, what the hell? Yeah, how punk like, rock. Yeah, like two songs, two songs had the word garbage. I, I said, I asked if, we, if uh, we should hit up the guy putting together the comp and say, hey, do you want us to add garbage into our, into our song? I, try, I, I know that, you know, I, my, my point here being that it's nice that there's a happy ending because it seemed like it could have been a negative song. It yeah. seemed like it could have been a song bitching about Christmas and turns out it, it's kind of nice. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it, it does bitch a little bit about Christmas in there too, but yeah. yeah. Um, so while they, after they released their second album though, Patty decided to, this was so weird. Patty quit the band and then she was replaced by Holly Beth Vincent of the band Holly and the Italians. But then Holly quit the band two weeks later and Patty rejoined the band. Nice. And then the band just broke up a couple months later. Yeah. Yeah. Patty's wild. Yeah. And then sadly, Patty died. Yes. At the age of 40, lung cancer. Yep. Real bummer. Um, but like we said, a lot of the other members of the waitresses still active in music, playing in the B-52s. The sax player went on to join the psychedelic furs. Wow. Uh, I think Chris Butler just kind of got into production and writing a little bit more, but there wasn't anything that like jumped out at me as like, oh, this guy, he, he's not a Dan Wilson, we'll say. He didn't he didn't go on to be like this prolific songwriter of like mm-hmm. Grammy Award winning songs. But uh, I mean, both of these songs have like stood the test of time in their own weird ways. Christmas Wrappings, like we said, is like this holiday classic that most people know. I feel like a lot of people in our world know it even stronger than most just because I feel like this is a very frequently covered song by a punk band if they have to cover a song for christmas time they're like all right let's do the waitresses Mm -hmm. um but you know i know what boys like vh1 ranked it the 82nd greatest one hit wonder of all time in 2002 and the 34th greatest one hit wonder of the 80s in 2009 okay so they're considering that the one hit they're considering that the one hit as i know what boys like yeah so it's a little bit confusing because Christmas rapping almost seems like the one that I hear more often. I think it's the one that stood the test of time despite not having really a chart appearance at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a little bit confusing to call this band a one-hit wonder because they're kind of a no-hit wonder, but they're also kind of a two-hit wonder. It's a very strange... Yeah. But you know what? And we'll get into this in a Patreon episode. Shockingly small amount of Christmas one-hit wonders in the world... Mostly because I think that if you are a person doing a Christmas song anyway, it's probably just a cover of a Christmas song that a thousand other people have covered. So, like, what chance do you have of your version of the first Noel being the one that puts your unknown band on the map? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, okay. (laughs) So, 
I mean, the Christmas shoes band is a, is a we, I mean, we could one maybe next year. Yeah. <laughs> I know how much you love that song. I, I was trying to think of Christmas one hit wonders and I didn't even think of Christmas shoes. But yeah, that, I think that there's maybe four <laughs> in, yeah. in all of in all of the hours of Christmas music <laughs> that yeah. gets played where you're like, oh, that's the only song I've ever heard by that band. Right. Oh, man, it might be Christmas. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day. This doing research for this episode made me a waitresses fan. Like they are a band that I think is a cool band that people should check out. Yeah, I like anybody it doesn't sound like everybody else. And this band does not sound like anybody else. I thought it was cool there from Akron. I don't know why I thought that. Because I would have assumed that maybe this band was like an English band. I would have guessed the same, actually. I was equally shocked when I saw Akron, Ohio. I was like, what? Yeah. No. Like I think I would think other country, somewhere in Europe. Or like definitely like a New York or Los Angeles based band. Like mm-hmm. just coming out of the middle of nowhere, Akron, Ohio is kind of a an unexpected twist in the story. Yeah. How, how so how do we feel? I mean, I guess I guess we're leaning thunder on I'm, the waitresses. I'm, I'm leaning thunder on the waitresses, I'm pretty sure. For both not I mean, A, they technically had two hits, so yeah. that alone <laughs> gives them a little bit of thunder. But I really just like if you haven't listened to I Know What Boys Like in a while, just listen to it. Because like even the guitar, like the sound of the guitar is really interesting in this song. I don't know how to describe it, but it's like a very like chuggy, almost clean, weird sound that he's got going through that guitar. They considered new wave? I think they would fall into new wave. Yeah, right. I like them. All right. There you <laughs> go. Well, Merry Christmas, Chris. Merry Christmas to you. Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Mathias of the band's Punchline Pack and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing I Won't Let You Down off of Punchline's holiday EP. Visit punchline.com for music, merch, and tour dates. We're on Patreon now. Become a patron and get bonus content, early episodes, and a chance to vote on future episodes at patreon.com backslash OHT podcast. Do you want to start a podcast? Then contact Chris and myself at WeKnowPodcasting.com for how we can make your show sound as professional as possible. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. And tune in next week for more One Hit Thunder. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest 
to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.